Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the 11th Sunday after Trinity is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments about today's sermon, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website, faithlutheran-aflc.org. Now let's join in and hear what God has to say to us today. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the psalm appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Psalm 67, can be found in your pew Bible on page 902 if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever spoken to a connoisseur about, to, uh, about the proper way to enjoy whatever it is they really care about. Uh, there's a popular TV show out there. Many of you will know what I'm talking about. And, and it works this way. If you don't slog through the first two seasons of this show, which aren't that funny, you can't understand the rest of the show, which might be the funniest show ever made. You know, things like that. It works this way all the time. Uh, I happen to be a coffee person, I I have never acquired a taste for tea. Uh, Tea, to me, tastes like you enjoyed something good to drink, and then before washing out your cup, you filled it with water and drank that. That's exactly what tea tastes like to me. But if you talk to a tea connoisseur, someone who really, really, really likes tea, they will not only tell you the proper kind of tea to drink, They will tell you the temperature it needs to be, the way to pour the water over the tea, how long to have the tea steep, and then the proper way to drink and enjoy the tea after that. Now, something that hits a little closer to home to me, there's a proper way to cook a steak to make sure you can enjoy it thoroughly. The list goes on and on and on, and all you need to do is find someone who really enjoys a thing and they will tell you how to maximize its enjoyment. Well, we wouldn't count ourselves as connoisseurs when it comes to our relationship with God. There is, in fact, according to Scripture, a proper way to encounter Him. A proper way to think about how we relate to Him. And I'm I'm not just speaking about the content and flow of the worship service, which has a design, which has a purpose, which has an outcome. That's an entirely different and additional topic. What I'm talking about is how we conceive of God, how we think about God, how we know him 
and come before him and live before him during the days of our lives. The writer of Psalm 67 talks about God being known on the earth. And for that to happen, we need to know God, to know about him in a specific way. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So turning our eyes back to Psalm 67, first we learn that God is known through his salvation. Normally, in almost literally any other sermon, we would be building to this reality. This would be the climax. This would be the apex truth of Scripture, that God is known through his salvation. In fact, God's salvation and wanting to be known by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the height of human history and the height of our interaction with God. But here, in Psalm 67, it's our starting point. And it's our starting point because it's also the most important thing we can possibly know about God. That he saves us. We measure God's grace and his mercy by his salvation, by the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place. And our praise of God is focused on and flows out of the reality of salvation. Salvation is finished, and it is free, and it is for us. And it's also God's salvation that we proclaim and offer to the nations around us. The literal content of evangelism is the content of the gospel. Jesus Christ as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. God in his salvation is the God we want to know and the God we want known by others. And this is because we are sinners. Everyone on the planet is a sinner. And because sin is our most desperate and glaring problem, and if we conceive of God, if we relate to God in any other way than through his salvation, then we are damned. We're in trouble. And so we confess, we proclaim, and we receive God's salvation. It's the content of Scripture, but more than that, it's how he wants to be known. It's how he reveals himself to us. And so we start with salvation. But then we move on, and we can also confess that God is known through his justice. The first question we must answer here is, why don't we start with God's justice? After all, God is perfect, He's almighty, he's holy, and of course that means he's just. But there's a two-part answer here beyond how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. First, as humans in the world around us, God's justice isn't a given. If you pause for a second and think of all of the other gods, of all of the other nations, and all of the other religions, justice isn't necessarily a divine concept. Certainly, the gods of the Romans and the Greeks and the Norse couldn't rely, uh, the, the people who worshipped them couldn't rely on those gods being just. The gods of, of mythology were often fickle and capricious, 
And they often had more problems than the people who worshipped them. The Hindus and Buddhists, likewise, can't rely on justice for their gods. Their gods aren't even knowable. The gods of the Eastern religions are more or less a concept rather than an entity. And that means those gods may or may not even be moral. The fact that we know our God and that we know he is just is way more unusual than we think. But more than this issue of knowing God and the reality of God's justice on, is the reality that God's justice on its own is not good news. It's not good news for us. While God is just, it's been well established that we are not just. We don't even need Scripture's repeated identification and condemnation of human evil. We see it all around us, regularly and often. The problem of sin, the consequences of sin, this world tearing itself apart because of sin. And while it may indeed be praiseworthy that God is just, while we are not, it certainly is not good news for those of us who need a solution to the problem of sin. If God is just, and we are unjust, God is going to punish us. And yet the psalmist here calls on the nations to be glad and to sing for joy because of God's justice. Why would we do that? And how could we do it? It's because, in reality, God's salvation, His grace, and His mercy, they are just. Jesus' death satisfies God's justice. Jesus' death in your place satisfies God's justice. And so God has saved you in such a way that you can be absolutely certain that your salvation will stand in his court of justice. He's not going to take it away. He's not going to withdraw it. He's not dangling your salvation like a carrot on a stick out in front of you just beyond your reach. God's salvation is rock-solid and concrete and eternal because it satisfies His justice. And so while God is indeed gracious and merciful, full of steadfast love, He is this way in such a way that He is also just. And that is incredibly good news. Finally then, God is known through his provision. We are called to praise God and to know God because he provides for us and he blesses us. This might be the primary way in which most people conceive of and know God. Certainly it's the most popular way. God helps me when I need him to help me. He provides for me when I need him to provide for me. So again, the question is, why wouldn't we start with God's provision. 
God does provide for us. God wants us to know that he cares for us. This is revealed to us in the first article of the creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We will pray for this at the end of the service when we pray the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. But what happens to us and what happens to our faith if the primary way we know and encounter God is through how he provides for us? What does that do? What happens if we conceive of God by how much he blesses us? For starters, we end up subordinating God to our own needs and to our own personal comfort. When the primary way we know and encounter God is through his material blessings, what inevitably ends up happening is God serves in our lives as some cosmic butler who's there when we need him to get something for us, to get us out of a pickle, but more or less, when we're doing okay, God stays behind the scenes and out of sight. And if this is the primary way we know of or conceive of or encounter God, it throws open the door of entitlement and conceit. That's not the God you encounter because if God's primary job is to provide for you, you end up being God. But more than that, if God's provision is how we know who God is, what we end up doing as we consider our lives is not evaluating God, but evaluating our own performance. If I'm blessed, if I'm comfortable, if I'm happy, I must be doing things right, and God must be pleased with me. But if I'm suffering, I must be wrong. I must have screwed up somehow somewhere, and it's my job to figure out what lesson I need to learn from my own mistakes so that my blessings will turn around and God will finally rain showers of mercy upon me. See, if this is the way we know God, it's always going to lead either to despair, because we're not good enough for God, or it's going to lead to pride. Well, what I've learned as I've been studying this year is that pride and despair tension that we often talk about as Christians is a little bit wrong. Because the problem with something in our faith leading to pride is pride never stops. It always needs a finish line. No one's ever content just being proud. We need to know others about how good, we need to let others know about how good we are. We need to let God know about how good we are. So the finish line at the end of the road of pride is bitterness. If our faith leads us to a prideful conception of who we are before God, our faith is always going to end in bitterness because it means for us that God didn't hold up his end of the bargain. If I don't get exactly what I want and what I need as my just reward, God must have failed me. And I will become embittered and disillusioned with God's character and his activity and his identity. 
But if we first and primarily know about God and his salvation, then we can also know that we can trust God to provide for us because God has already provided for our most important need, for redemption and forgiveness and eternity. Paul writes in Romans 8, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with us graciously give us all things? God wants you to know that when he looks at you, when he encounters you, when he knows you, he's not grading your performance. But rather, he sees Jesus. And he sees the work of Jesus in your place. And so it is, with all of this in mind, that we join together with all the nations and with all of the saints for all time to praise God. We sing his praises. We praise God because he's knowable. We praise God because he wants to be known. We praise God because he's revealed himself to us, how he is and who he is, so that we might know him. But we especially praise God this morning and for all of our lives because as he has revealed himself to us and as we have known him, we have known his salvation. And we have known his Son, and we have known that by his Son and in, our, in, in his Son, our sins have been forgiven, and we've been given eternity. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.